Brother John has graciously loaned me his, which aren't too bad, except I've just got to go a little bit closer. Oh, thanks, Michael, as well. <laughs> oh, you'd think I'd get dressed before coming to church, wouldn't you? Eh? <laughs> All right. So, we've been, uh, we've been looking... We've been looking at the biblical realities for life and recently we've been looking at uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit and we found that as we yield to God's commands, as we yield to the Holy Spirit's convictions, we are filled with the Spirit. And then we looked at the, uh, the fruits of the Spirit and uh, that was uh, quite a blessing and we found that in fact uh, the Holy Spirit would have us display all of those fruits and of course if the Holy Spirit fills us then the chance that we're going to display those fruits is very very high and then we looked at uh, what would happen to our Christian life if we didn't exhibit the fruits of the Holy Spirit and we realized we just look like an unsafe person with all the fruits of the flesh with all the, the things that we would, would normally do without God so uh, we concluded that if, if we didn't display the fruits of the Spirit, we might as well not tell anybody that we're saved. And then we started looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we looked at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, where the first lot of gifts is outlined. And we considered the situation in Corinth in Bible times, where the, even the church in Corinth was, uh, was filled with priestesses and soothsayers and diviners of mystery religions claiming to represent gods and claiming to have supernatural powers. No wonder the Corinthian Christians thought that they should manifest some supernatural phenomena. So of course that led to the abuse of the spiritual gifts and even maybe the manufacture of these spiritual gifts in the lives of some. Maybe. As... as you know, we see it today. Some, some people do seem to manufacture these, these gifts. Then we found out that um, indeed... Uh, I've jumped a bit, sorry. So therefore, the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13 and chapter 14. But in chapter 12, verse 1, we see the, that opening verse which says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I would not have you ignorant. The Apostle Paul opened chapter 12 with, with that verse concerning spiritual gifts. Paul wants to make sure that the Corinthians have a very clear and complete understanding of their spiritual gifts. And one of the commentators, in fact, writes, the spiritual gifts are the special equipment for ministry that the Holy Spirit gives in some measure to all believers. Now, it's interesting that word, all believers. We're going to cover that in a little minute. But anyway, that's what a commentator says. Special equipment for all believers. And these gifts are to be wholly under his control and used for Christ's glory. Instead of what we have seen, uh, sometimes on YouTube, where certain churches do sorts of, sort, of, sort of weird things, which don't seem to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are important today also because the church can't function. It can't mature properly um, and faithfully using the gifts God... It can't mature properly and faithfully without properly and faithfully using the gifts 
God gives each believer. Just like the church can't function without the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which we saw before. Now, Satan, of course, will try and counterfeit the Spirit's gifts. And we suspect that this happens in, in, in many places. And he'll try to induce believers to ignore them, to misunderstand them, to abuse them, to pervert them. Now, we saw last week that the... Um, here we go. We saw last week that the spiritual gifts fall into two... Um, into two major purposes. One is the permanent gifts, which are used to edify the church, and the other one are the temporary sign gifts to confirm the word of God. Uh, God will continue to give the permanent gifts to believers for the duration of the church age, and these gifts are to be ministered by his people at all times in the life of the church. So, I put up a list last week uh, of some gifts that were listed in 1 Corinthians 12. And then I complemented that with uh, Romans 12, 6 to 8. And then one more, evangelism in Ephesians 4, 11. Now I've had some feedback uh, from uh, a, a person in the church. And um, I've, I've at the moment, I've grayed these out because they're under permanent gifts. And the same with discernment. We will cover those next, next week. They are in a certain form, depending on the definition that you use, they can be for today, uh, depending on a, 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 a different definition, they're definitely only for then. So we'll cover them one at a time uh, when we get to them. But at the moment, I just want to finish, I want to finish what I think, what, what might be called the bread and butter gifts or the easy ones I think the ones where there's not too much controversy so we'll finish those first now I'm going to do a little bit of uh, review on teaching because we have to address this idea are the gifts of the Holy Spirit does the Lord give them to every Christian in some measure or not when we need to address that one um, as I said before, some of the commentators just make the statement, yep, the Lord has given the gift to everyone, but we need to, we need to establish it. We need to see where we're going with that. So, just recapping a little bit in, with the gift of teaching, which we did last week. We did, we did that one first here that's, that's covered in Romans chapter 6, verse 12. With, with teaching, we, we looked at the word teaching, um, which comes from the Greek word didasko, uh, anyway, it's Strong's number 1321 for us Aussies. Uh, that same word was used of Jesus in, in chapter 9, verse 35, for example, where Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. Then that same word is used of the apostles in, for example, and many other verses, but for example, Acts 5.25, where, where um, we're told that they were standing in the temple and teaching the people. And then, of course, it's used in, uh, uh, this is the interesting one, it's used of Christians in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Teaching is the same word, 13.21. So that's interesting, isn't it? Considering that we have a gift of teaching listed 
And yet, over here, okay, we can understand Jesus' teaching, we can understand the apostles' teaching, because they're, um, they're filled with the Spirit, as we saw. But every Christian teaching, that's what the, that's what the, the Bible says. Everyone should teach one another. Oops. So, again, what does that, uh, just to recap, 1321, that Greek word, it means, um, hang on a minute, I missed one. Ah, yeah. Sorry, I missed missed the slide. (laughs) There you go. So, um, the same as Jesus, the apostles and, and Christians teaching the same as Jesus. The same word is used. Now, a difficulty has, is exposed here. Does everyone have the gift of teaching according to that verse? Clearly tells us to teach one another and, and teaching is a gift. So, does, does everyone have the gift of teaching? And it appears from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, that that gift of teaching has been given to every person. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7, uh, if you want to turn there, um, and I'll read it out, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. A very interesting verse. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now, one commentator says you can take this two ways. That's why I thought I'd better address it. Because he says, if in the, in the Greek the emphasis is on the word given, then, then that means that it's um, every man that has the gift. So it doesn't necessarily mean that every man or every person has the gift, if you take it that way. And then he goes on to say, if the emphasis is on the word profit, this one here, profit, uh, if that's the case, then he's saying that verse then means that every person in the body of Christ has the gift. So he, he, says, he says it's either one or the other, and uh, you know, he, doesn't, he doesn't make a comment. Two other commentators just gloss over it. They don't say anything about it at all. So I thought, well, we better have a we better have a better look at this. So if we look at the word um, uh, "every man," have I jumped it? No, I haven't. Yeah, here we go. So if we look at the word "every man," now in the Greek. The two words are translated together via this Greek word, which is this one here, ekastos, that one there. And that, that means each and every. And, it, and uh, the comment in, uh, now this comes out of Strong's, the comment from Strong says, it would appear that we are each given at least one gift at salvation. So it appears that according to the Greek translation, that it's every one has, has uh, in this case, it, well, in, has, has a gift to some degree or other. But let's see, 
let's see if we, if we can prove it. Because, um, you know, I, I read somewhere that, that another commentator said there are no ungifted believers. Let, let's see if we can verify it. Let's see if we can put it together. So, now, there's a context used every time that this word ekastos uh, or 1538 is used. There's a context. I, th- I think it's there. So, for example, in James, James 1.14, this is that word, 1538. It says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And my point here is, does this mean every man in the world? Probably it does. Because whether they're saved or unsaved, every man is tempted. And of course the Greek word says each. Each and every, every in, in fact it's person, sorry, I should have cleared that out. It's not, it, it actually doesn't translate as man in the Greek. It's every person, every one. If it was man, there would be, and we'll see it later, there would be a separation and it would be anthropos, which would be man, male. But in fact, in this case, when we're reading uh, this word 1538, it's every person, even though the translation is every man. So, um, so James 1.14, everyone is tempted when he's drawn away from his own lust and enticed. So it appears to me that this covers the whole population. The, the unsaved are drawn away this way, so are, the, so are the saved. So it seems to be the whole population. If we look at Revelation 12.13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the dead and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man or everyone, according to their works. So they were judged, everyone. Now, here, the context is all the unsaved. But again, it's, it's a totality. It's that whole population. Because the context here is of the unsaved, because we're not judged uh, at that time, then this is the whole population of the unsaved. Then, then we go to Revelation twenty-two twelve, And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work as his work shall be. This is the context here is the saved. I come quickly. So it's all the saved. So again, we've got the three total populations the context is telling us um, of the uh, degree, sorry, the, the, whether it's a saved and the unsaved, the saved or the unsaved. But the point is it's the whole. It's not just some of the saved. It's not just some of the um, uh, unsaved. So the context appears to be the whole. And that's how this word, 1538, ekastos, is used. Now, if I go, if I now go to... If I, oh yeah, just, we'll just pick it up on um, uh, 1 Peter 4.10. Now, this 1 Peter 4.10 also refers to the gifts, and I'm again making the same point. Um, 1 Peter 4.10 refers to the gifts because of the word uh, here, gift, charisma. So, every man hath received the gift, or everyone hath received the gift, the, the, chari- the charismatic gifts, as we call them, that, that we've just covered now so that he may minister one to another. So again, this is, this is supporting that as well. But now, if we go 
to the next context. Now here, there's another word that's used for every, everyone, as opposed to this word, this number 1538, as opposed to that word ekastos. And it's this word here, pas. It's got a different Strong's number, but this word pas is used uh, where it seems to indicate limited numbers. That's the point I'm trying to make here. If the first word, ekastos, was used when it's talking about the whole, and it's used in conjunction with everyone getting the gift. In this case, um, a different word is used for every and each. But it, it seems to be in a limited fashion. So, for example, Revelation uh, 22.12, For I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the books. So, so not every person is going to add unto these things. You see the limited you see the limited population? And it's a different Greek word used. So there's only a, there's a subset of, of people who hear the word and then add to the book. So there's a subset and a different Greek word is used. And it comes through again with 1 John 3.3. 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. See, the... This does not cover. Oh, sorry. This does not cover. This does not cover every single Christian, because there are carnal Christians. The Christian who wants to please God will purify himself. And a different word is used. Look at that. Every pass. So it seems to have seems to be limited in its population. In, limited in its in its reference to the population. And so 1 Peter 3.15, also another one, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. See, again, not every person's going to ask you that hope. So again, it's a, limited, it's a limited population. This different word is used. So one would assume that if the gifts were not for everyone, that this word, pass would be used in that context. So that, that seems to indicate that um, uh, indeed the Lord has bestowed spiritual gifts on, on every Christian. Every Christian appears to have a gift in some form, in, to some degree or another. Now let's again, look at the two, let's again look at the two examples of teaching and exhorting. So teaching and exhorting, which we've already looked at, both of these come through as being for everyone. So, for example, um, Christians teaching other, we have the verse Colossians 3.16, which we've already read. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So clearly here, every Christian is told, use the gift of teaching. Now, and secondly, um, the gift of exhortation, which we looked at last week as well. Now, of course, it's used in many ways uh, in, in, in Acts and Corinthians and the various epistles, just like teaching. It's used often of the apostles. Um, Paul encourages Timothy to exhort, to exhort his hearers, etc. And we say, okay, well, they've got the gift. 
But then we've got this verse here in Hebrews 3.13. Now, have I put that up there? Yes, here I have. So, Hebrews 3.13. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any root of evil, uh, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. So here we have every Christian has the responsibility of exhorting one another. Exhorting is one of the gifts of, of the Holy Spirit. Now, think about this. If, if, you're to, if as Christians we're to teach one another, as Christians if we're to exhort one another, what, what's going to be our basis for that teaching and exhortation? What's, what's going to be the basis? Is it going to be, oh look, she'll be right, mate. It'd be the word of God. Could you do that before you were saved? Nah. You must have a gift. So it, it appears that to me that indeed the commentators are correct when they say every Christian is given a gift to some degree or another. So... All right, so what we'll do now, we'll just move on to the other so-called easy ones. So we, these were broken up by, the, um, commenta uh, by the, one of the commentators into speaking gifts and serving gifts. So now we'll move into the serving gifts and we'll be fairly, fairly brief here. Thank you. Yes. Yep. That one? That's right. That's correct. But the point here is that um, when, when we were unsaved, this, the deceitfulness of sin was not a big issue for us. We didn't care. In fact, we enjoyed the sin. But because, because we're now Christians, we're to exhort one another, otherwise the deceitfulness of sin will overtake us. And of course, the only way we can do that is, is by, by using the Bible. No worries. So we'll move on now to uh, the serving gifts under here. Leadership is the next one. And uh, leadership, um, it, the Bible says, let's go to Romans 12, 6 to 8, so that we don't make a mistake. Uh, Romans 12, 6 to 8. I'll just read them out all again. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us whether prophecy let us prophecy according to the exhortation of uh, according to the proportion of faith or ministry let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation he that giveth let him do it with simplicity he that ruleth with diligence he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness so there, that's the second set of verses that we have on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now the commentator hasn't actually put them in the same order as they are here, but that's okay. So, so the next one is this serving gift of rulership. And, and the Bible says there, um, he that ruleth with diligence. So that, that's, the, um, that's the encouragement there. That, he that ruleth with diligence. So 
to, to rule um, comes from the Greek word which means he who presides or superintends or, or the one taking the lead. But could also mean uh, to give aid. So that leadership has, has a couple of meanings and uh, of course both, both are very good. And then uh, he who presides or superintends, he that ruleth with diligence. So the word diligence simply means uh, with responsibility and earnestly, taking it very seriously. So that's, uh, that's leadership. Then secondly, we have the gift of helps or ministering. So ministering comes from, from the Greek word, um, which actually is, it comes, is diakonia, which is the general work of deaconing. So the, the, the Bible says regarding ministering, it says in verse 7, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. So that's the encouragement there for those with the gift of ministry. Um, so it, it not only denotes the work of deaconing, but also denotes a very broad office that may cover almost any kind of service in the local church. So one, one commentator says that uh, when you take this in a general sense, it means service. Whatever we do in the church... Uh, is ministering. But, uh, uh, but if you take it in the particular sense, it means the office of the deacon. And we have no issue with, with both of those two meanings. Now then it says, on ministry, let us wait on our ministry. So what does wait on our ministry mean? Well, to wait on our work means to give the best of our time and thoughts to it. To, to, to not only to study it, uh, but to study it in order to do it well. So that's the encouragement uh, with the gift of ministry. And again, you can see here that as we minister and as we help, everyone can have this gift. It's not just for a, a select few. So that's, that's, uh, that's ministering. And then we've got uh, giving, the gift of giving. Now the term giving, uh, now again let's have a look at verse 8. It says, um, He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. So the term simplicity in the Greek sometimes means liberality. In, you know, giving, giving a lot in relation to what you have. And we see the, we see the example in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 about the um, uh, Macedonian Christians who gave above and beyond what they were able, the Bible tells us. So simplicity means liberality or um, uh, sometimes it means in singleness of heart or, or, or motive. So... Uh, there's, there's examples in Ephesians and, Colition, in, and in Colossians, but essentially when one gives, what, whatever one gives, they have to do it with all their heart, not, not grudgingly, but you know, with an attitude of, I'm doing this because I really, really want to please God. That, that, that sort of attitude. So that's giving. And then uh, 
giving. And then the last one in this, in this group is, is mercy. In verse 8 again, mercy. It says, uh, He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So this, this gift of mercy is that Christian gift of, of engaging in practical deeds of kindness. There is a place in the local church for those who cannot teach or cannot minister. Many within the church go about in a quiet way doing, doing much needed work in showing kindness and, helpless and helpfulness to their fellow believers. In fact, this should really be a gift for for everyone, um, we saw before that kindness was a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So uh, this is this is definitely something for every single one of us. Now, if we continue with mercy, if you can imagine um, when when someone is when someone requires mercy, they're not in a good state. They they could they could be sick. They could be sore they could possibly be quite upset and, 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 and short-tempered. So a pleasing, um, you know, a pleasing demeanour of the Christian in, in showing that mercy is, is of great relief to someone who's in such a miserable state. So it, it makes a lot of sense that, that someone showing mercy would do so in a, um, uh, in a cheerful manner. So... As we've seen, each of these gifts is necessary for the proper functioning of the church. Absolutely, isn't it? If people who come in this door, they come in from all walks of life, carrying sometimes all sorts of baggage. And uh, the gifts of the Spirit, the, the um, uh, uh, fruits of the Spirit, are the things that need to attract them to the Lord Jesus Christ. So each of these gifts is necessary for the proper functioning of the body of Christ. So therefore one gift cannot be exalted over another. So now we've finished essentially the, all the ones that I consider easy. Faith will cover next week. Uh, we'll finish off with evangelism just now. So evangelism comes from Ephesians 4.11. And let's, let's turn there. Ephesians 4.11. And it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So in this case here we can see by the word some, he gave some these gifts that this is not all-inclusive like the other ones that we've looked at now. So he gave some apostles and some pastors, prophets, some evangelists and some, and some teachers. So, in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now that, that word... Uh, the Greek word for evangelist there comes from another Greek word which means literally to preach and literally to preach the gospel or to preach the uh, good, good tidings. 
And uh, we, we have this term used th three times in the New Testament. Um, one of the times is in Acts 21.8, where Philip, the Apostle Philip, is called an evangelist. And then in 2 Timothy 4.5, where, um, uh, where Timothy is encouraged to do the work of an evangelist. And of course, this is a bringer of good tidings. That's what an evangelist means. And in, indeed, it's the name given to the New Testament heralds uh, of salvation through Christ who are not apostles. So that's why we have evangelists today. And we, and we know a few. So for completeness, uh, for completeness this, ter this term evangelist is not mentioned, but it's referred to in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. We'll just look at that one before we finish. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Okay. Actually, it's good to read from verse 8 to get the context. Um, and above all things, have fervent charity... No, we'll just read from verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. So again, those that would speak would, would be um, pastors, teachers, Evangelists. So there's a loose reference to, to that one as well, just, just to cap it off, this, um, this gift of evangelism. So what we've done now, we've covered all the easy ones. Yeah. We've covered all the easy ones, and uh, next week we'll deal with these difficult ones, this, word, this one here as well, where it comes up in both... In, in both chapters. Uh, the reason that faith is there is because um, exhortation, it's linked with exhortation. But uh, yeah, so we've finished the easy ones now and we'll do the difficult ones next week. So thank you very much. Let's pray and um, we'll break up for a little while. Father God, we thank you that indeed you have uh, equipped us, that you have given us gifts to to live this Christian life, but not only to live it, but Lord, to expand it and to encourage one another. Father, we pray for your grace and mercy that we would indeed exhibit uh, the fruits and that we would use our gifts for your glory. Father, we pray for your continued blessing this morning, that you would be uh, with Pastor as he brings the word, that you would be with the congregation as, Lord, we, we worship together. Uh, in, in song and consideration of your wonderful truth. truth. So we, we pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you very much.